Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan. Make sure you check that out uh, every Sunday, 12 till 1. Uh, lots of great stuff covering all issues pansexual. Really worth listening in, so you make sure you check that out. And listen to the podcast via 3cr.org.au. Today on the show, we're going to be discussing the issue of uh, mock meats or plant-based meats. So, yeah, things that might be called things like uh, chicken or whatever else, but they're made totally out of plants, out of vegan ingredients, uh, and particularly the media reporting on on these as well. So, yeah, I think as alternative media, I think our job is to bring stories that aren't being covered in the mainstream media, but I think there's also value in occasionally sort of talking back to mainstream media and and pointing out some of the inadequacies in their reporting as well. Um, So to help me discuss this, I'm joined by Adam Cardellini, fellow Freedom of Species host. Thanks for joining me, Adam. Ahoy. And I'm Nick Pendergrast. And yeah, we're going to discuss a few different articles. uh, Yeah, again, from more mainstream media looking at this issue. I guess to start things off, to sort of uh, set a little bit of context, I thought I'd just we'd just talk a little bit about our uh, experience of or, or preference for or otherwise around mock meats. I believe Adam, you're a fan of mock meats. Is that true? I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. um, try all the new different ones that are coming out, um, and I try to make it myself. I've got a friend who's excellent at making. Um, Satan and mock meats uh, he's become a bit of a expert he's sort of done some great stuff with ham and roast lamb and all sorts of things and i i can't get enough of it yeah 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 i would say i'm maybe not as enthusiastic but definitely like particular like mock meats um i i also think you know sometimes it is just the issue of just having like sort of comfort food convenience food um and to me it doesn't matter that much whether it is a mock meat or something else i know i uh i I will say we're not um we're not sponsored by any particular company but i quite enjoy the fries range you can find at supermarkets and you know for me i I enjoy their schnitzels but i also enjoy their brown rice and quinoa burgers like it doesn't bother me that much it's just that it's quick and easy to make um and and tastes good as well so there's that and i think even 
um, the uh, a common critique of mock meats, and we'll get into more as we go, but is that they're quite expensive. And yeah, definitely it is more expensive to have a, you know, a schnitzel or a, a quinoa and brown rice patty or whatever it may be than, you know, rice and beans or something like that. But really, um, at least for some of them, the cost isn't that much. Like the fries are about $6 a pack for like four burgers or something like that. So it's about a dollar fifty and a bit of bread and maybe some salad or something like that. You look at it, maybe 2 or $3 for a meal. So they're not necessarily particularly expensive. Obviously, some are. Um, are you into the, I believe you are into the Impossible or Beyond Meat, that kind of stuff? You like those as well? Yep. Yep, yeah, sure yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're I, a bit more expensive, and I suppose yeah. the thing thing about the expense is it sort of helps you regulate how much you have. It just means mm. that you don't eat as much of it because it's expensive, which is probably not a bad thing as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, it's funny. I think a while ago, uh, me and a, a previous uh, Freedom of Species presenter, Madison, spoke about a while ago. I think both of us, um, and definitely for me, having the Beyond Meat burger was like it was too realistic, which is kind of weird. Like you've John, you've done your job too well, therefore I don't like it, which is kind of strange. I admit on my my uh, behalf. Um, but yeah, certainly I yeah I don't like those really realistic ones. But I I'm glad they're out there, and I'm glad people like them. And I think yeah. It is good that people are, yeah, some people are trying them out and, and transitioning away from, from eating animals. So we're going to get into some articles discussing this topic uh, and sort of interrogate some of this reporting. So the first article we're going to be discussing is plant-based meat sales are soaring, but experts warn it may not be better for you or the environment. And yeah, keep that keep that title in mind because we're going to come back to that. Um, this is by Cara Waters uh, on March 28th, 2021. So a few months ago uh, on the Sydney Morning Herald, smh.com.au. And we're going to put a link to all the articles we discuss uh, in the, the show notes for the show if you're listening via podcast. Um, and if you're listening live, I'll have them up on our social media pages as well. So you can look into these yourself as well. Um, but Cara Waters mentions that basically this this growing move towards plant-based meat. So they talk about McDonald's, KFC selling meat alternatives, um, Hungry Jacks with the meat-free Rebel Whopper. Um, yeah, lots of different yeah mock meat entering um, fast food outlets. Um, and yeah, they also mentioned that... Um, yeah, um, sales in Australia are booming. Um, a study published um, that month in, in March uh, found that um, consumer sales for 2020 topped 185 million um, and retailers have doubled the number of plant-based meat products in Australia and grocery shelter in that period to more than 200. Um, and yeah, just from a personal level, I think you've probably noticed the same thing, Adam, in the time I've been vegan, but particularly over the last few years, um, there is there is so many more of these products in the shelves. Yeah, and yeah. there's been particularly last year. I think at the start of last year, or even 2019, there was this real um, sort of experiment within both Coles and mm. Woolworths supermarkets, major supermarkets in Australia, who were both putting out a whole bunch of different versions and ranges of um, plant-based meats, and a lot of them didn't survive. So mm. there's this real trial um, of what is going to work, what's going to sell. And mm. yeah, certainly now there's quite a large range of different types of um, plant-based meats at both supermarkets, mm. um, each with their with their sort of um, specialties and whatnot. But 
it's certainly certainly a lot different to what it was 10 years ago mm. um yeah yeah, yeah, and I, I noticed even the other day, just in Coles Fitzroy, fairly close to 3CR station, they've now got a, a big section that says vegetarian in big letters, and then they've got yeah, um, two whole shells, one labelled vegan and one plant-based with quite a few new products as well. So I feel like Woolworths were probably a little bit of ahead in kind of emphasising their vegan products, at least in my experience, even though Coles had a bunch, but Coles kind of seemed to be sort of joining in that as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these products are much more common, Um and yeah, um, sales of meat alternatives in Australia could top three billion annually by 2030, according to a study. Um, and that they mentioned in the article, um, yeah, that there's a bunch of startups, as Adam kind of touched on, rushing in to meet rising community um, consumer demand. Um, so they mentioned in this article that. One third of Australians are actively limiting their meat consumption, um, but a lot of these folks still want the convenience and familiarity of a burger on their barbecue or some mints from bolognese. They're doing it foremost for health reasons. Then the secondary reasons are the environmental, ethical, and social norms. Um, so that is sort of the, the setup for the article that more people are eating um, are eating these products, and then they get into sort of I guess testing. Um, some of the claims uh, or, or testing whether these products live up to these reasons why people are choosing them. Testing is uh, a generous... Um, yeah, true. Yeah. Generous way to, <laughs> yeah. to describe the article. But yeah, yeah so, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're sort of consulting a few experts on that in a few studies. So uh, they mentioned a study by the George Institute for Global Health in Melbourne in 2019 with the Heart Foundation which looked in uh, looked at processed meat alternatives such as meat-free bacon and meat-free sausages, found some products contained up to half a day's worth of salt in one serve. Yeah, so uh, I, 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 yeah, I had issues with this yeah. sort of article in general, and it's, mm. um, I feel, I feel like they're sort of setting up a straw man. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, a lot of the part, they're like, mm-hmm. you know, lots of people are now eating this thing, but it's could be worse for your health and it could be worse for the environment and you know you could have contain up to half a day's worth of salt in one serve yeah sure there probably are some products that do that mm. certainly not all of them and i don't imagine that's going to be an average the average mm. plant-based product isn't going to be worth a contain up to half a day's worth of salt mm. um so they they sort of they sh- present the the issue hyperbolically uh, mm. which is frustrating, annoying. And I just quickly went and had a look at um, the the, the um, bacon, plant-based bacon that you can get at Coles and mm-hmm. the um, pig-based bacon that you can get at Coles and looked mm. at the salt content. <laughs> and the plant-based bacon is not quite, but almost half the amount of salt as normal bacon or mm. animal-based bacon, you know? Yeah. So they they present it as, oh, it's bad for you. But in comparison to what? Mm. You know, they're not making any comparison. Are they meaning in comparison to not eating it at all or to mm. eating a cor- a piece of corn or a <laughs> coconut? I don't, I don't know. It's like it's just these bold claims that mm. are made to be almost feels like a scare tactic mm-hmm. um, around plant-based foods, uh, plant-based meats in particular. Mm. without much context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it very much does seem like a straw man in that one or, or there are some of these products that contain that much, that much out salt. Out of 200. 
Yeah, th- therefore they're all bad. They're, therefore yeah. they're, they're not healthy or whatever. So yeah, not not a very strong argument. And obviously, you know, salt is a plant-based ingredient, so it could be within those mock meats. But also, um, as Adam touched on, uh, obviously they are in you know animal-based foods as well. Particularly, I imagine more processed kinds of foods. So yeah, there's there's high salt content in vegan foods. In some vegan foods, there's some uh, high salt products in animal foods. It's really kind of separate to the issue of, of the health of these products. And, and yeah, they have different amounts of salt depending on the thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, quite, quite a strange argument in that regard. Um, and a vegan hot dog, th- this is, um, sorry, Dr. Nick Fuller, who's an obesity expert from Sydney University, uh, warns meat alternatives are also high in fats and sugar. Um, which again, we probably could make the same comments uh, that that are made around the salt. Um, but um, Nick Fuller said, a vegan hot dog is no better for you than a meat one. You are still getting all these different hidden ingredients in the packet, um, saying that some of these contain 20 to 50 ingredients. Um, yeah, what do you think about that health claim that there's lots of ingredients in them, that therefore they're bad? <laughs> I'm, I'm not someone that really cares too much about the different ingredients yeah i i do get um that processed foods generally aren't going to be as healthy for you in most um most cases so if you can choose an unprocessed version compared to a processed food or processed food um that's if you're concerned with health if you're not concerned with health who cares like and if you're if you're going from you know eating a meat-based hot dog to a plant-based hot dog, then you're obviously not that concerned about health. Like health mm. isn't your driver, probably. Mm-hmm. It's maybe something else. And, you know, 50 ingredients in a plant-based hot dog versus 50 ingredients in a, um, a animal-based hot dog, go for the plant-based one. There's other benefits for it. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, not killing a pig. That's, yeah. a, that's a good benefit, the, yeah. which they don't touch on once in this article. No, that's a good is point. the significant yeah. benefit of mm. not killing animals when you yeah. switch to a plant-based meat product. Yeah, and I guess this this writer, I guess, does not see the ethical problem with that. And again, going back at the start, that is why I think it is important for us to engage with these discussions. And and as Adam often mentions, like bringing in the animal into this conversation, the animal perspective, which isn't brought in at all. So yeah, even yeah, obviously some are healthier than others, and and even yeah, those that are less healthy doesn't mean they don't have other benefits, particularly for animals. Also, environment, which we'll get onto in a moment. I think also that um, list, like the number of ingredients is sort of a shorthand version of telling how healthy something is which maybe they're probably an overall like a, a, a bias towards that being true in terms of products that have less ingredients probably overall would be healthier than products that have more ingredients um but i don't think it's also a direct correlation there as well in that yeah i was gonna say i'd be <laughs> yeah i'd want to i'd want to see some sort of data on that i don't yeah. necessarily think it's true like if you go no. to a an Indian restaurant and get a nice curry. They've probably got mm. twenty different spices in there. I was You've thinking got twenty that. ingredients. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Like the spices. So if I'm making a meal and I put one type of spice in there, but by that sort of default calculation, if I add three spices in there, then that becomes less healthy, which isn't necessarily the case as well. Well, so that it's would a... certainly not be the case. No, exactly. In fact, it yeah. might be yeah. healthier because you're yeah. adding micronutrients from those spices. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to move on to the uh, environmental claims made oh, this let's. article. <laughs> What's that, sorry? Let's. 
but before that, we're going to play a song. So we're going to play the song um, Walk Away by Goldfinger. I do have to mention that this song does contain a little bit of swearing, uh, but Goldfinger, the, the singer of Goldfinger, John, John Feldman, is really outspoken about animal rights and veganism. And I think this is a really hopeful song, the idea that people don't have to stay the same. People can change and make positive change uh, for animals and just generally. And I think this, in terms of relating it to our discussion, I think that... um there is some opposition to mock meats even amongst vegans. And yeah, I think um, even if you don't want to eat mock meats, I think there's no ethical obligation to eat mock meats. Uh, but even if you're not into them yourself, I think we should definitely like support their existence and, and uh, maybe not criticize them as much. Um, there's some research on this actually in my academic work. I came across one article. There, there's a bunch of, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more literature on this. Um, but there was an article a while ago which um, spoke about the way that uh, meat substitutes assist some vegans, particularly those making the transition from a non-vegan diet, as they can substitute foods that are, that, that are more familiar to them uh, with vegan products. So that was by Nathan Prado, 2011. I'll put a link up to that as well. But um, yeah, I think that's a really positive thing that, um, yeah, these plant-based meats can help people make that positive change. They say But I don't believe this shit I know I can make things better 
Luciano and Georgia Keats, supported by the Australian Queer Archive, present Queer Ways, retracing Melbourne's queer footprint. Queer Ways is a community art project that maps the queer history of Melbourne, combining our community's stories and voices, past and present, into a permanent, interactive record of being queer in Melbourne. Visit www.queerways.melbourne now to record your story in queer history and explore our city's untold history. Queer Ways, a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. Um, Yeah, me and Adam, Freedom of Species presenters, are discussing some of the media reporting on plant-based meats today. And yeah, in this article, which is plant-based meat sales are soaring, but experts warn it may not be better for you or the environment by Cara Waters on the Sydney Morning Herald uh, that we've been discussing um, now moves on to talking about the environmental impacts of plant-based meats. So, um, yeah, they mentioned that even the climate-friendly credentials of meat meat alternatives, um, a big selling point with millennial consumers, are under a cloud. Traditional meat production has a big carbon footprint. Almost 77% of the land devoted to agriculture is used for livestock production. However, fake meats exacts a heavy toll on the environment as well. Hefty Uh, toll. Hefty toll? What did I say? Heavy. Heavy. I feel like hefty has more weight behind it. More weight, yeah, yeah. More More weight than weight. Yeah, yeah. Um, According to Dr. Marco Springman, senior researcher with the Oxford Martin Program on the Future of Food in the UK, Plant-based meat companies often make claims about the environmental benefits of their products based on third-party potential uh, estimates of emissions. The Oxford Martin program completed a multi-criteria assessment of meat alternatives and found most soy-based meat alternative burgers produced roughly half the emissions footprint of chicken, which is one of the lowest emitting animals, and 10 times less than meat. And what they're referring to there is, I believe, like red meat or the flesh of uh, other animals like pigs and cows. Um, So the reason I wanted to point that out is that the actual research they're citing to support support their points about about, um, plant-based meats having a big environmental impact um, it actually contradicts the title of their article. So, um, yeah, they just mentioned there again that um, according to this this proper research that they're saying is not sort of based on these um, yeah estimates and that kind of thing. According to this, what they say is legitimate research. Um, it. Uh, contains half the emissions of chicken, which is one of the lowest emitting, uh, and 10 times that of red meat. Um, But I guess what bothers me about this is like in this age of social media is a lot of the time people will share articles around just based on the title of the article. And that is going to feed into these existing notions that, oh, actually plant-based meat, isn't that great? And then this article will circulate circulate around that you know, oh, plant-based meats aren't actually better for the environment, even though the details of the article point out that they're a lot better for the environment. Uh, any comments on that, Adam, in terms I've, of this? I've got lots, lots of comments <laughs> on this part. It's first off, like the juxtaposition of 
the um, presenting almost 77% of the land devoted to agriculture and is used for livestock production. However, fake meat exacts a hefty toll on the environment as well. And all, putting those things together in that way within the text right next to each other, one mm. sentence following the other, it almost makes it sound like that fake meats, when actually plant-based meats, when that plant-based meats might have a um, environmental footprint close to what animal-based meats have, and it's not even it's not even close. Mm. Like there, there's it, the 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 land footprint for plant-based meats is tiny compared to um, animal-based meats, but that juxtaposition of the language there of those sentences makes one follow on from the other. Like a false equivalency you, almost. Like yeah, that it makes an impact, you inflated so that, in your they're mind. They're roughly equal, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Mm. false equivalency. That's a good way to put it. Mm. Um, and then they go on and they have this, this spiel about... Uh, they make claims about the environmental benefits of the products based on third-party potential estimates of emissions is just gobbledygook for most people who are going to be reading this. Mm. If you're not a scientist who's doing life cycle analysis and recognise that a lot of life cycle analysis, not only of (laughs) plant-based foods, but of almost all foods, comes from these um, third-party potential estimates of emissions, then... Mm you won't understand that this is just standard practice within science. Mm. You know, mm. it's like yeah. they, they're trying to build up this idea that it's, oh, but it's a bit dodgy. It's a bit dodgy. It doesn't make mm. sense. Mm. And we should be careful about it. And and then they go on. And as you say, you rightly point out, Nick, they then go on to say, mm. in the best case scenario, <laughs> plant-based meats, or the, sorry, the worst case scenario from their perspective, yeah. Yeah. plant-based meats is half the emitting greenhouse gas emissions of um of the best animal-based meat, mm. chicken, right? Yeah. Half. Yeah. That's fifty percent. You know, these same people are probably going, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, eat so many plant-based meats, or you shouldn't go vegan. Just uh, have meatless Mondays. They're, they're probably saying something like that. You could, by swapping out and going just to just to equivalent sort of plant-based meats, drop your emissions by fifty percent. Or meatless Mondays, and you get what like what's one in seven out of a hundred percent. It's like you you maybe fifteen percent of your emissions you can um, drop if you go for a more acceptable meatless Monday approach. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll put these equivalences next to each other, or they'll argue against one, but then argue for another because it fits their frame mm. um, more easily. Yeah, and it's yep. just frustrating. It's like yep. you've just said that it's far better. Fifty percent, fifty percent is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we yep. could get rid of fifty percent of agricultural emissions, we want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I was, I was trying to think of like another possible title, artic- like for the article. It's like yeah. Uh, meat alternatives produce like half the emissions or like <laughs> ha- half, like, you know, 50 to somewhere between 10% and 50% of animal yep. base like foods that that could also be a more accurate headline. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because uh, again, this Dr. Marco Springman, uh, a researcher says the better alternative is vegetables and, um, 
Yeah, with meatless meat having an emissions footprint that's roughly five times higher compared to unprocessed vegetable products. Uh, so once again, that that could be the headline. It could be something like, you know, you reduce your footprint by eating plant-based meat. You could reduce it even more just by eating plant-based Plant, foods directly yeah. or something like that. Like that kind of is, is like, oh, plant-based meats have significantly less of environmental impact than meat. Um, having, you know like vegetables and other more sort of plant-based whole foods has even less. Therefore, we shouldn't go to plant-based and we should eat the most environmentally destructive food, which is animal-based meats. It's yeah. a I think, I think what they're doing, the thing is they're, they're setting it up as like putting down plant-based meats from the comparison with vegetables. Mm. And in that way... It's sort of said, but they're not saying that explicitly. They're not. They're not comparing it to veg- vegetables explicitly. Mm. They're making you sort of have the um, assumption, assume that they're comparing it to other meats. I think. Mm. Uh, yeah. So they're just vague enough so that you're like, oh well, why would I bother? Yeah. You know, it's not very yeah. good for me. Mm. It's not very good for the environment. Why would I bother? Well, in fact, it's far better for you and far better for the environment compared to say processed meats mm-hmm. yeah but they don't say that <laughs> no no exactly and, and i think like it, it is an important discussion for vegans to be like you know i'm not just going to be vegan and that's the end of it i'm going to try and have a lower impact or eat more ethically in general um like within veganism too and so yeah if you are going to try and lower your footprint even further um or like switching to vegan and eating more like whole foods more like eating more of the lentils and chickpeas and less of the plant-based meats you can reduce your environmental impact even more um but yeah the bigger question is the biggest question environmentally is are you eating animal-based foods or plant-based foods, not whether you're eating mock meats or not. And that that's yeah, the way they yeah. frame it in the article, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I think we might um, take another track there actually. Um, and yeah, then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what might be the motivation for people to switch from animal-based burgers or animal-based foods in general to, you know, meat, plant-based meats. Um, but the song we're going to play now is End of the World by The Living End. Um, and, yeah, this song isn't specifically about the environment, but obviously we're looking at the end of the world or at least, like, you know, putting humans in danger and also bringing down a lot of species with us when it comes to issues like climate change. So I thought this was quite relevant uh, when we're talking talking about the environmental impact of animal products.
nuclear armed states are talking big and spending up with no intention to disarm. The Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons provides a pathway out of this mess, and it's up to us to get our government on board. Tune in to ICANN's Banned School to learn more and be part of History in the Making. It's five online sessions from June to September. Check it out and enroll at icanw.org.au forward slash band school. That's icanw.org.au forward slash band school. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons is a 3CR supporter. I think Welcome to Country is a very dangerous concept and initiative. I really don't know where Welcome to Country even merged from. I know that I don't think it was a, obviously an Aboriginal initiative. I think obviously governments had uh, introduced that as they were pacifying our flag of resistance. You know, the idealism that lies behind that obviously is so that white people can feel a sense that they're more guests and they've got a right of ownership and to be here. If we're going to continuously welcome them to country, what that does, it rectitudes the fact of the moral racism issues in which they perpetrate against our people because how can we be talking about all these other issues and then compromise a hypocrisy in our own selves to welcome these murderers and these uh, slave traders this barbaric sense of what they've done to occupy Australia on one hand and, and welcome them on the other You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Radical Radio. Today we're discussing uh, plant-based meats and particularly media reporting on the issue. Um, and we're now going to turn to another article. This is from The Conversation. And the article is Taste Alone Won't Persuade Americans to Swap Out Beef for Plant-Based Burgers. Um, this is by Anna Matilla from Penn State. And yeah, I thought this article, um, yeah, much more, did a much better job at sort of outlining the benefits of switching from, um, yeah, animal-based meats from um, to plant-based meats. The article says the production of beef creates sixty times the volume of greenhouse gases as peas, which is one of the vegetables that go into meat substitutes, um, such as the Beyond Burger. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that a Beyond Burger is sixty times better than, um, yeah, than eating like yeah beef directly. Um, but obviously, you know, as as we've found in the previous article, it's probably like at least ten times better. So it has a slightly more impact because of processing or whatever, uh, but it has such a huge reduced impact compared to uh, eating cows. They mentioned that researchers found that plant-based meat substitutes require far less energy, water, and land than beef, again, as established in um, in the previous article. They mentioned Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods, the two main plant-based brands, tend to market their vegetarian burgers with claims of tastes and textures that are similar to that of meat. Uh, And they argued that their research suggests that highlighting the social benefits of plant-based menu items would convince more consumers to choose them over meat-based options, thus reducing overall meat consumptions and greenhouse gas emissions. And yeah, I was curious, I guess, for Adam, you mentioned you you like the mock meats and look into them. In terms of the, the 
packaging like this is seems to be more of an american-based study but when you see sort of advertisements or just packaging what 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 is the main thing they're trying to attract you are they trying to based on sort of ethical concerns or it tastes like meat what what, what sort of messaging you've generally seen um that's encouraging think i think it probably is taste Mm. i think it's the stuff that i see in our shops um also ethical i think Mm -hmm. is sometimes like it'll be like cruelty free or they'll have some sort of indication on there that's free from something like that so Mm -hmm. so you're getting a clear understanding that it's um not harming animals Uh, but that's less that's less so but i think i think it's probably almost entirely taste Mm. if Mm. i think about it yeah i can't think of any that um explicitly uh, describes or advertises an environmental benefit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say that it's taste pre- majority. Yeah. Yeah. And so they mentioned that consumers are more likely to choose a plant-based meat substitute when the restaurant's advertising highlights the social benefits of doing so rather than the taste, um, according to research they conducted. Um and they also found that showcasing the social costs of meat consumption also leads to a preference for plant-based meat. So showing that like either this is better or what you would be eating is worse, um, yeah, it is a good way to convince people to switch across. So, um, so I, I, I'll, I'll add one other um, sort of thing that I think these companies are doing that probably is the major point that they're, they're trying to make, and that's familiarity. Mm. They're actually, it's not just taste really, Mm. but it's kind. This is Mm. a piece of plant-based bacon and you can use it just how you've used normal Mm. or pig-based bacon in the past. Mm. Mm. And I think that can't be understated. Mm -hmm. Um, As you mentioned earlier, the ability just to substitute one for the other, Mm. I think is probably a large part of what, these companies might be trying to go for and yeah. it makes sense yeah familiarity yeah. is one of the biggest reasons people do a lot of whole, a whole lot of things yeah yeah that's definitely true of like rather than at least initially like fundamentally transforming your diet of eating pretty much the same way but just having something from a slightly different brand or a different product but you still know how to cook that food or how to you know how a meal works with that or whatever mm. you're just doing a substitution rather than something completely different um and yeah I, I do remember someone um yeah i do remember someone saying something like um plant-based meats are like a nicotine patch for non-vegans like it's kind of giving them that fix and then you wean off but like for me that's definitely not the case at all like when i went vegetarian many years ago i didn't eat mock meats and then i'd been vegan for a while before i even started eating them so yeah it's not so much that it's more just like i eat a wide variety of foods and some of them happen happen to resemble animal products most don't but um yeah i i don't think it is necessarily something like it definitely is useful in that transition but i don't think that's the only use for these products I think that people can enjoy them on an ongoing basis as well, for sure. Um, so they, they conducted two online experiments to examine the advertising of plant-based burgers and meatballs. Um, and so the participants were shown three commercials for a plant-based burger. Um, they either saw a social appeal, good for the, for the environment, animal welfare, a health appeal, um, good for your health, no cholesterol and more fibre, 
or a taste appeal, tasty and delicious just like a beef burger. Uh, in all three commercials, um, we presented nutritional information that showed plant-based burgers had similar levels of calories and protein as that of beef, which is generally true in the real world. Um, they were then asked to, um, to record their burger preference on a scale of one to seven, where one indicated they definitely wanted a conventional beef burger and seven meant they definitely wanted the plant-based version. Uh, participants exposed the advertising appeal to their social conscience were more likely to select the plant-based burger than those who saw the health or taste-based ads. Our research found that the social appeals worked because they induced positive feelings of doing something good for society. And they mentioned the health appeal was ineffective because the nutritional value of the two burgers is so similar and appealing to taste didn't work because American consumers believe the taste of beef is superior to that of plant-based meat. And going away from the article now, I think that kind of makes sense in a way that if you just promote this taste exactly like beef, then people would be like, yeah, but so does beef, right? Like, so that that in itself isn't necessarily a good argument for promoting these products. And, and maybe in terms of, I guess, companies, but also just in terms of individuals, if, if we know someone who eats a lot of animal products and go, why don't you try this out? Then we could say it is familiar and it might taste a bit similar, but also it's a good thing to do for animals in particular and also for the environment. Um, what do you think about the messaging around these with all that um, with that research in mind. Yeah, I think I think there's a point there that's sort of like, well, what's the differentiator? If it's just mm. like tastes like beef, mm. what's the differentiator? Why would I get yep. that versus yep. a, a beef, a, like a, a cow meat patty? Yeah. Um, so if it was tastes like beef coupled with one mm. of those other messages, I think yep. it would be more interesting research. Mm. Yep. I'd also um, point out a couple of things. I haven't read the paper yet. I'm trying to find where I... Uh, where I find it, here it is, um, and I won't be able to get much out of it with a quick skim like this. But mm. there's a few things that flag for me when mm. reading the the um, piece about this work. One, 156 participants. That is not very big. Um, that's not very big at all. I would expect for this sort of research um, that you'd want a, a larger participant pool than that especially when you've got experimental design where you've got three groups because that means you're actually only getting like 50 50 individuals in each mm. um, treatment which isn't necessarily um, great um, the other thing is i think that these sorts of things are really context dependent if you were at a if you were at a burger shop and the option was taste like beef or good for the environment or um, healthy. I wonder what your choice, what's influencing your choice at that point. Mm. Is it that you want a burger that tastes like beef, but you're also thinking, oh, I should cut down on my meat because of these other things. Mm. Um, I think that we can get carried away with online surveys like this um, when it's about around a choice like this. Um, that might be very context dependent mm -hmm. in the moment. Yeah, uh, I think so... they did have different settings. Like one was at a restaurant, I believe, and, and then one was somewhere else, I think. So I think they okay. were in different contexts. Yeah, that's um, good. But yeah, I think also if... Um, Again, if, if they don't have that, like, taste like, you know, whatever whatever animal they're sort of, um, 
yeah, sort of substituting for, um, I think if, if you've just got the taste like and that's it, then it might only be more on novelty value. Like, oh, does it really taste the same? But it won't be so much like I really want to try this. Um, but again, I think that sort of taste like or that, that familiar, familiarity can be useful if those are... Um, if people are swapping for a reason that is a bit uh, deeper than novelty values, such as for uh, animals and or the environment as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, interesting study. I think it's all, yeah, it's all online, all online yeah, research. On... Um, they were looking at a restaurant menu, online menu, and yeah, were prompted yeah. with, the, um, with the different prompts. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, okay, yeah, so there was two different studies. There was one with 160 people as well. Um, information, okay, yeah, so that was, yeah. So they're but, talking but, about the, the first study in this work, yeah. I think. The second study's not in the conversation piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think they're not in the bit I provided you, but I think in the, in the article itself they do mention a second study. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's that's yeah. besides the point of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, interesting, interesting work, and it, it, mm. it yeah, it's interesting to think about because it's often we're not often sold that or told that um, that the social aspect is really important when it comes to this stuff. We're mm-hmm. we're regularly told that it's going to be around taste and familiarity and that these other points aren't really um, as relevant yeah yeah and i think also yeah i guess like for those of us who we're not necessarily promoting people to eat like plant-based meat specifically or um promoting particularly companies obviously that is kind of from the perspective of these companies but i think just as you know as vegan advocates when we're talking to friends and family again i think like having that as a more secondary thing of like oh apparently it does taste like 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 it or yeah it can be sort of uh familiar that kind of thing is like a secondary thing but mainly focusing on those uh animal and environmental benefits Mm. now one article which i don't think we'll have time to discuss but um just briefly um perhaps we'll touch on is about lab-grown meat which is not exactly the same thing um what we've been talking about here is basically rather than lab grown it's just you know something that resembles meat but it's just made out of vegan ingredients whereas lab grown meat is actual animal flesh but grown in a lab Mm -hmm. um and yeah this is an article this is an uh issue that me and another uh, freedom of species uh contributor harley covered in some detail and maybe we'll put a a link to that show if you want to know more about that issue of of, uh lab grown meat specifically Uh, but this article from slate.com which we'll link to in the notes if you want to have a look uh, but it's talking about the way in which lab grown meat even though it is grown in a lab it still uses uh fetal cow blood so the blood I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you up there. Well, that's why I wanted to hand yeah, over to you yeah. to kind of just um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So this this article's four years ago, four years old, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This stuff is moving incredibly, incredibly quickly. Mm-hmm. There are billions of dollars being poured into this um, mm-hmm. into this research and development of um, lab grown meats or cultured mm-hmm. meats, as I prefer, and mm-hmm. they they're all moving away from bovine serum. Mm-hmm. It's just either most of them are already gone that they don't use it anymore because mm-hmm. they see it as as anathema to their purpose, which is mm-hmm. to reduce the use of animals. It really goes against what these companies stand for, 
Um, and I don't know of any new. So it's often the older the older companies that have been doing this for a decade, mm. or you know thereabouts, who have had a research pipeline that included bovine serum, I believe. Mm. Uh, but I don't know of any new organizations or companies that are that are starting up that use that it's just mm-hmm. it's not necessary yeah. um and the ones that were using i just had a quick google before this session mm-hmm. and several several of the big names have already moved out of it um mm-hmm. it, it, within the last four years they just don't use bovine serum there's mm-hmm. also some research going on to into um you know, growing bovine serum or using mm. using um, stem cells like we're doing for like they're doing for the cultured meat, using it in the same in similar ways to develop bovine serum or these um, nutrients and hormones that are required for lab grown meats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. it's important that we don't spread those sorts of um, mistruths around too much. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'll put a link up to then a more recent article covering those developments to to look into some of that. And yeah, I think even when we did the episode, uh, me and Harley a while ago, even at that point, there was, um, yeah, that was starting to be introduced or at least being looked into at that point. And yeah, we were saying that at least from our point of view, we weren't, neither of us were that excited about eating it ourselves, but yeah. And of course there's stuff to work out around how healthy would it be? What is the environmental impact? But we definitely didn't have any fundamental objection to that on animal grounds because no animals are used. Is that sort of where you'd stand on that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, around, around the, um, the health, I mean, it's, it's going to be meat. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It's going to be meat. It's going to have a similar health profile. I imagine, although there are some, some technical differences, so there mm-hmm. might be different health profiles a little bit, but that's to be worked out. Mm-hmm. And the environmental impacts, um, there's some work, it still needs plenty more done, but it is, it is generally better for the environment. Um, it re- uses less resources uh, at the moment. And I suppose it's what happens as it gets to scale. And we are planning on um, having in uh, a coming episode someone from, or the founder of the Cellular Agriculture Australia, which is an organisation, a not-for-profit that works to develop um, cellular agriculture in, in Australia, which will be Great. really good. They'll have lots of expertise to discuss this topic. Great. Yeah, so that, this should, that episode should flow on quite nicely from this one. Um, and yeah, I guess just to wrap up, uh, a reminder, you can check all of our episodes out at 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species. Um, and yeah, our show is one to two every Sunday. Listen in live uh, via 3cr.org.au or 855am if you're in Melbourne. You can also check us out in a bunch of podcast apps, including iTunes and Spotify. Spotify. Uh, and if you do search Freedom of Species on Spotify, you can find all of our podcast episodes. Um, and you can also, if you search that, you'll also find a playlist that has all the music we've played on the show. That playlist is just called Freedom of Species. So you can look into the artists we play and, and hear more of their music and all that kind of stuff. Um, we welcome any feedback on the show, on this topic or anything we've covered. Freedom of Species at gmail.com is our email. Also connect with us on all the social media platforms. Um, and I just wanted to mention as well before we take off, 
Um, our Give Now campaign closes at 5 p.m. on the day this episode is going to air. Uh, so you are, if you are listening live, we really encourage you to help uh, get us closer to our target there. You can find the link uh, pinned to the top of all our social media platforms. Um, and if you are listening to the podcast version, like after that campaign is finished, you can also donate to 3CR anytime via 3cr.org.au um, and as well as buying things from the 3CR online shop to help support 3CR and that will include Freedom of Species shirts will be up on that shop soon so keep your eye out for that as well Um, follow us on social media for updates about that kind of thing Um, next up is rotations we're bringing you some music so stay tuned for that we're going to finish up with the song uh Cats and Not Lucky Creatures by the World Inferno Friendship Society. And, yeah, one of the lyrics is, uh, never worried about the future because I'm a cat. And I thought that was kind of that thing of, like, animals are very much in the present. And I think just not really related to what we're discussing, but animals in general, we often think of that as, like, uh, non-human animals, other animals being lower than us, um, That the fact that they are very much in the present. But then also humans also do these mindfulness workshops so they can basically be more like a dog or a cat and be very much in the present and not be thinking about the future all the time. And uh, yeah, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting uh, angle to finish up with. Uh, thanks so much for joining me, Adam. It's been really great to get your perspective. You're really on top of the scientific literature around these topics much more than I am. So it was great to get your perspective and expertise.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.